Hi, welcome to your 10 o'clock shot. We'll show you a little bit of dry air across the city right now. Looks misty, but there's some rain in New Jersey, so all these dry moments don't last very long and we'll end it with kind of a squall line. I think developing later tonight. That's a line of heavy wind and rain that passes through the entire area. Okay, okay, and then a big temperature drop. Then on a the big way temperature too, so a lot to get well. to with this AccuWeather Alert Day. Welcome in here mornings at 10. A lot to talk about on the news side of things this morning as well, including this murder conviction more than 20 years in the making. Two men found guilty of gunning down rap icon Jam Master Jay in his Queens recording studio back in 2002. Darla Miles has been covering this case for years. She's going to be here live to break down the verdict. And then there's also this. Our system is broken. I never, never would imagine that we have no rights. Mm. A Queens family buys their dream home only to learn that they inherited a squatter. Wow. Yes, and that means that they paid millions of dollars for a house that they can't even live in. Then, seven on your sides, Dan Krauth got involved. He is going to stop by to show us what happens next. Super mm. important, mm. super important story. Yeah. And for most of us at some point, we've all wondered, what's the key to living a long life? As I get closer to my 70s, I think about it a lot. Well, some new research is out analyzing the five places with the highest proportions of people who reach the age of 100. Apparently they all have nine things in common. So get your pens and pencils out. We're going to make a checklist and we're going to share those things with you coming up. In I still want to know your secret, the secret of looking so youthful. <laughs> being being able to breathe and move and walk at the same time. Sometimes it's not all easy. <laughs> I love how you cheated. You're like closer to 70s. I mean, I mean, 62 is closer to no, 70. That's, no, no, I mean, it's it, closer. <laughs> How did you? Yeah. First Look, of all, you act like you're still 25. There's no but place but there. That, that's it. Yeah. You, you look ahead. You we, can't look back. Speaking of a big temperature swing, yeah. uh, or big number swing. <laughs> <laughs> there, I had be, to pause for that. We were going to do weather, but I had to let that happen. There's, right, there's right. going right. to be a big shock to so many people yeah. who today, they're thinking, okay, it's going to be rainy, but the temperature is, is tomorrow not morning is the big yeah. difference. Yeah. Now this is only a one day drop in the temperature, but I want to show you because we've got a lot ahead today and Mike's exactly right. It's in and out rain the rest of the day today. And while it's a little bit dry across the city right now, I love that green lush look at Central Park at 53 degrees, by the way. So look at this. We've got a wind advisory out. We're going to have some wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour. Now that starts at around nine o'clock tonight and goes through the morning hours. Here's the risk for that. There can be just a quick little shot of some strong to severe weather involved in this. What I think is a little bit more wind, maybe some sleet involved in some areas here when we get this really cranking. Look at the rain that's back around Scranton now, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. You can see that working into northern New Jersey. It's fairly dry in the city and, and the Jersey Shore right now, but Washington, uh, Poughkeepsie, just outside of Newburgh now toward Beekman, you've got some showers. There's the rain from Sparta, Mount Olive. Bedminster is getting into a little bit of it right there. And look at Long Island. I want to do a radar tour every time we go on today, just because I want you to know where the rain is and where it isn't. 48 in Yankee Stadium right now, 51 though. Uh, by the time you get into lower Manhattan, we're 53 in Central Park, 53 in Newark as well, 57 on the Jersey Shore. Wind is going to be important as we get into the evening hours, and it's generally light right now, about a 20 mile per hour gust out 
out east. But watch the numbers as they go toward the 61 degree mark at about 3 o'clock this afternoon in and out showers. There's going to and I'm going to time it for you. I'm going to show you exactly when that line of rain starts to really pump through the area and you don't want to miss that. But that's tonight into tomorrow morning and then briskly colder. That 41 degree temperature is a big drop from the 60s that we'll have, but it's really just kind of one day. Look how we're back to the 52, 57, yeah. 59 degree mark pretty quickly. We're going to really feel it. Yeah. Tomorrow morning, feel it for sure. Okay, following some of our top stories here at 10 o'clock and happening right now, Governor Hochul is in New York City today pushing for tech companies to stop promoting illegal weed shops on their platforms, including Meta and Google. Her announcement comes after members of cannabis operators sent her a letter asking for a probe into what they call false advertisements. Mm. We'll have more on this story coming up at 1030. The city council is expected to pass a package of bills aimed at increasing e-bike safety later today. One measure requires safety checks for lithium ion batteries used by food delivery workers to make sure that the batteries meet safety standards. Another requires delivery apps to provide workers with bicycle safety equipment. Today is the first full day of jury deliberations in Stamford, Connecticut. This is the trial of Michelle Traconis. Traconis faces several charges, including conspiracy to commit murder. She was the girlfriend of Fotis Dulos, whose wife Jennifer went missing in 2019 and has never been found. Prosecutors say Fotis Dulos killed Jennifer amid a divorce and a child custody battle. Mm. So in the wake of several high-profile crimes involving migrants, Mayor Adams and the city council are now at odds. The mayor wants the city to be able to communicate with ICE and says migrants who commit serious crimes should be deported. The city council is pushing back. Eyewitness News reporter Reagan Meji live in Midtown with the very latest on this. Reagan. Yeah, Trilene, and it's all about Mayor Adams just wanting to modify the current sanctuary laws here in the city. When modifying, it would basically allow him to contact ICE and then have the feds deport migrants who commit violent crimes here in the city. And this is on the heels of several attacks in New York that we've been following for you since the beginning of the year. In late January, a group of eight migrants attacked two NYPD officers in Times Square. In early February, a 15-year-old migrant accused of shooting a tourist, then firing on responding police. And a suspected Venezuelan gang reportedly robbing more than 60 women in some viciously. An estimated 150,000 migrants have poured into the city during this border crisis, costing New Yorkers roughly $12 billion to care for them. Mayor Adams now targeting the city's sanctuary status, arguing city officials should be able to contact federal immigration authorities. People who um, are like the many that are here that want to participate in the American experience uh, should not be tarnished by those small numbers that are committing these violent acts. Uh, I think that we should make sure that the laws at the top of our laws should be about public safety. New Yorkers have the right to be safe. The Legal Aid Society responding, saying that this allows people, many of whom have been targeted by our city's racist policing policies, to remain in New York City to fight their cases, rather than be turned over to ICE officials who may detain and deport someone without a criminal trial or a conviction. Now, as for the city council side on this, it says it has no plan to revisit 
the city's sanctuary laws. We're live here in Midtown, Reagan Meji, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. And the conversation continues, Reagan. Thank you. Some other news we are following here at 10 o'clock. This search continues for a man who stole a car with a five-year-old girl inside. This happened in Queens. Cops say the girl's mom left her inside the car that was double parked running on Jamaica Avenue last night as she ran into a store. Well, a man got into that car and then drove away. The child was found less than a mile away and reunited with the mom. Mm. An update on a crime underground. Prosecutors say this man you see here, 24-year-old Justin Hurd, pulled the trigger on a D-train um, in the Bronx last week, killing William Alvarez. They say Hurd admitted to shooting the victim, but his attorneys claim it was self-defense. Hurd was arrested along with two others this week, Betty Cotto and Alfredo Trinidad. They were all charged with murder and manslaughter. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is looking to tax wealthy corporations in New Jersey to help fund New Jersey transit. The governor announced this proposal in his budget address that was done yesterday. The new corporate transit fee would tax businesses that earn more than $10 million in profits. New Jersey transit faces a severe budget shortfall and fares are already set to increase 15% in July. Two men accused of setting fires at PSEG Long Island substations in an attempt to distract police with power outages so they could rob Suffolk County businesses. These are the substations here. Police say Frank Costa and John Pucci allegedly burglarized nine businesses and were ultimately found with an ATM allegedly stolen from a gas station the day before and money from that ATM found in their pockets. Voters in Bridgeport, Connecticut went to the polls for a fourth time to choose a mayor and the Associated Press projects that Democratic Mayor Joe Gannam has won another term in office with more than 95% of precincts reporting. Gannam has 59% of the vote compared to 38% for his opponent and former aide John Gomes who ran as an independent. Some are saying this is a major shift for Starbucks. Starbucks says it will begin talks with Workers United Union. That represents about four in, workers in about 400 Starbucks stores to, in the U.S. to discuss bargaining agreements and a framework for workers to organize. Now, the company's also hoping to resolve a lawsuit between the two sides. It's been more than two years, if you've been keeping count, since that first store in Buffalo voted to unionize. Congress members returning to Capitol Hill today and may have a solution to avoid a partial government shutdown Friday. House Speaker Mike Johnson's office says that he is open to a continuing resolution. The four government agencies that could close after Friday would get another week of funding. The deadline for everything else would be March 22nd. Okay, so this could potentially change the game for recycling. Mm. New legislation is looking to dramatically reduce the amount of plastic in shipments and on store shelves yeah. in New York State. It's called the Packaging Reduction and Recycling Infrastructure Act. Officials say the best way to improve recycling is to reduce the amount that's needed to recycle in the first place. Yeah, so this is hugely important because it's mm. something that we really have to tackle as a community, as a city. The legislation would, one, shift penalties to the plastics producers. Two, charge business fees depending on how much plastic is used in your packaging. Number three, allow state regulators to fine companies as much as $1,000 for violations. Sounds rough, but how else do we get a handle on this? There is plastic in everything you touch these days. This is true. Yeah, we're seeing it everywhere. The city's also continuing efforts to clean up city streets and continuing the battle with rats. So the city sanitation department posted this tweet that you just saw there using Taylor Swift to remind New Yorkers that we're entering 
our bin era because oh. she does like the eras oh, tour. Yes. So they're trying to, yes. there it is. Wait, uh, is that the bin? Yeah, but it's the... like a Photoshop thing, meme. right? Meme. Okay. A, some a meme. Uh, uh. And anyway, so that's what they selected to try to get your attention. Certainly didn't get our attention today. And that's because beginning on Friday, all businesses here in the city will be required to store their trash in bins with secure lids when setting it out for collection. No more of these just black bags piled up so they can go out on the curb an hour before the business closes. There's one month of a grace period before the fines are, are going to be start issued to these businesses. And of course, the conversation continues because we have DSNY Commissioner Jessica Tish. Tish. She's going to be here live tomorrow to talk everything sanitation. Good. We'll ask her her favorite Taylor Swift songs as well, perhaps, right. um, because I mean, did they got our they ask Taylor for uh, permission? I'm, I don't know about I, that. I wonder. Because there was a whole how, thing with with fake Taylor Swift images yeah. online. So anyway, However, I, know, I will but. say as somebody who owns property in New York City, I'm sure Taylor Swift is fine with that. Yeah. But well, I'm just going to Deep Do the fake. Job. I don't know that that was a real deep fake. I mean, we kind of knew it was a trash bin that wasn't really in the video. <laughs> but all right. So researchers think that they have cracked the code when it comes to living a longer life. So okay. we know the average life expectancy of Americans, at least, is 75. It's actually 76.4 years. Okay. So. 76.4 years. All right. But there are places called those blue zones. Um, there's a show I've been wanting to watch about yeah, those blue great. zones, right? He's, yes, yeah, you've been great. watching. Um, where people are 10 <laughs> times more likely to live to 100. You see them here on the map. Take a good look. There's these specific regions of the world where these people have this in common. A team of researchers study these people and emerged with the power nine or nine lessons to live a longer life. So let's kick it off here. No surprise, staying active, but this doesn't mean you have to do an intense workout every day. We're talking about walking 4,000 steps, doing some calf raises at your desk, or just generally staying active can have the same benefits. They call them exercise snacks. Also say yes to happy hour. Yes, wine has some health benefits, but we're really talking about the socialization here, and that's a theme, oh. I think, being around other people yeah. who are also subscribing to this. Take time to decompress and de-stress. Lean toward a plant-based diet, and if you really have to eat meat, try to make it pork. Really? Interesting. Interesting stuff. Now, they did this because they studied, as you guys pointed out, all over the world, these clusters of where yes. people are living longer. So one of the things they say is find your crew. Being around friends and loved ones gives you that boost of a love hormone, which helps your physical health. Also, abide by the 80% rule. This means stop eating when your stomachs are 80% full, although my body will never tell me that. So how's that <laughs> supposed to work? Full and try to stop eating in the early evening. Put your loved ones first. That means parents, grandparents, and committing to a life partner and some kids. This is a lot to do, by the way, right? Is it almost worth it? Let's find out. Find a place where you belong, whether that's a faith-based place or a gym or a trivia night at your local restaurant. And know your why feeling, like you have a purpose when you wake up. That can extend your life by up to seven years. Aww. So these are all interesting, but you'll notice that it talks about diet, yep. talks about exercise, mm -hmm. and talks about mental wellness. You just took the words out of my mouth. I I was very struck by that. Yeah. That is a part of the whole. It's interesting. And it's connection with other humans. Right. And that's so important. And, yeah. and, and when you see other communities and, and other nations around the world who bring their elderly and their family into their homes, mm -hmm. and one of the things that we have done in America is we have pushed that caretaking away. And so we find a lot of elderly people are lonely, maybe not getting the proper nutrition, yeah. aren't getting the conversation yeah. with people that they love. Well, it shouldn't be a problem, and it becomes a nightmare.
a total nightmare. A total nightmare. Buying a dream home. And it became that nightmare for a family from Queens. The house came with something the new owners did not bargain for. A squatter. And it's more than four months after purchasing the home that the family still cannot go inside their home. Get out. Yep, and, and they faced some roadblocks. Roadblock after roadblock trying to get the man who is staying there out. Investigative reporter Dan Krauth joins us now. Just before you came on officially on TV, we were talking to you about this. This is maddening. How does something like this happen? It's very unusual, but it's happening more than we actually think. The family says they've had no choice but to take the man living inside their home to court. And despite hearing after hearing, they still haven't been able to move in. It has just taken over, over everything, everything. Susanna and Joseph Landa bought what they thought was their dream retirement home in Douglaston, Queens. We're looking to hopefully retire and most of all provide for my son, Alex, who has Down syndrome. He has a, a disability. The new house is right next door to family members. I just want to know that I can die tomorrow and He's next to his brother. They signed the deed back in October. And then what happens? The nightmare begins. The house came with something unexpected. A man living in their home who they say refuses to leave. We couldn't believe it. We could not believe it. His name's Brett Flores. They cannot come here early when I'm not here. They have keys, they're the owner. This is what happened when the Landis tried to enter with an insurance inspector. They say Flores called the cops on them even though they say they gave him 10-day notice. He wasn't a renter. Never. You didn't sign documents that said, we have a tenant. Correct. Court documents detail in Flores' own words why he's there. A signed statement says he was hired by the former homeowner as his caretaker, was paid $3,000 a week, and his employment ended in January of last year when the man died. He claims he has a license to stay in the house from the previous owner. What a lot of people don't realize is in New York, Squatters have rights after 30 days. 30 days. How can you have rights if you have no lease, you're not paying rent? So what is your right? Not only has Flores been living there, they claim he listed the home online to rent rooms to other people. The only way to try and get him out, they're taking him to landlord-tenant court, trying to get him evicted. We have had already five hearings at civil court. He shows up, no, no attorney. If it's not one excuse, is another excuse. He filed the bankruptcy. So that prevents everything from going forward. Meanwhile, they've been paying all the bills. Leaving wow. windows wide open 24 hours. Including thousands of dollars in utilities. It makes me feel completely forgotten in the legal system. Not able to do anything. As for Flores, no one answered the door. He did answer the phone. I'm doing my best to try to get your side of the story. So you're telling me to call your attorney? An attorney who told me? You're going to settle it through the court system. No comment. Our system is broken. We have no rights. We have no rights at all. Nothing, nothing, zero. She says zero, and this might not have a resolution anytime soon because their next court hearing isn't until April. That's okay. incredible. It is incredibly infuriating. My parents are homeowners, um, and they have been landlords many times over, so I know how liberal squatters' rights can be. Yes. So how often does this actually happen? It's hard to do to figure that out because the court does not categorize squatter cases, but we know that this is called a holdover eviction, and there have been more than 2,000 of those filed this year alone. That's any time you go after a tenant for not paying, anything right. other than not paying, so all the other reasons. So it's happening a lot. We just don't hear about it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the interesting thing. We, we both covered news in South Florida. I feel like you do hear these squatter cases in South Florida. 
What about New York? Is this relatively new here? Well, I already received a couple tips overnight since the promo was airing here on Channel 7 with people that have even more egregious cases. So this is an yeah. issue we're going to be looking into in the weeks yeah. and the months ahead. And I can tell you, I talked to a lot of attorneys that say that this problem got a lot worse during the pandemic because the courts were closed. Uh, it was even mm -hmm. more difficult to Certainly. get people out of homes that did not belong to them. And they're doing everything they can, right? There's no secret way to win this case. You have to go through the courts. And the average case for an eviction case in New York City, the average time frame is about a year. So this uh, could not be resolved. Doesn't seem fair. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. It's actually very infuriating. You'll Thank have more you, coming man. up uh, later this afternoon, right? Yes, yes. Okay. We look Thank forward you. to it. Thank right. you very much. Thanks, Thanks Dan. Jason himself was an amazing talent. Um, life ended far, far too um, soon. Um, and I'm, I'm just glad that um, justice was uh, served. Well, that justice took more than two decades, but two men have finally been convicted of killing rap icon Jam Master Jay. Mm. The pioneering DJ of Run DMC was gunned down in his Queens recording studio back in 2002. So much to talk about in this case, and not only just the long time of it taking, but Darla, you've done the special. You brought the information to us to a News at 10 where we got to see it. So tell me about the verdict and how everybody's handling it. So first of all, uh, Carl Jordan Jr. and uh, Tenard Washington, Ronald Tenard Washington, both guilty of federal uh, federal crimes. This is a federal case. We have to be very clear that this is a federal case, um, a murder that took place as the result of a narcotics conspiracy and a mm. federal gun charge. Yesterday, when the verdict was read, it was a big outburst in the courtroom. Uh, the courtroom had to be cleared. Uh, the family of Carl Jordan Jr. got up, started screaming. They've been there the whole time, professing his innocence. Both. Jordan and Washington stood up. So um, a lot of outrage and, and disappointment because one thing I don't think anybody was prepared for was the suspect's family to be there every single day in mm. such large numbers supporting him. But then you see again, obviously, obviously uh, family members of Jam Master Jay, those who are still uh, alive, uh, saying that this is finally justice. I got a lot of text messages from people in Queens yesterday saying that they feel like this is closure, this is justice. But because, you know, they're all kind of family and connected, there's yeah. going to be something that's never going to sit right with some people. Speaking of not sitting right, you got to think about what's hanging over the heads of everybody, just, just how this investigation went and how parts of it um, was examined and, and was said to be botched. You know, so that's really interesting when we say botched in terms of investigation because, you know, we're looking at it through the 2024 lens of sure, you know, right? uh, true. true crime and forensic and CSU and all of these things. But in, in 2002, this was very, very new um, to everybody, to those responding to the case as well as uh, uh, the people involved in it. For example, um, they couldn't even they didn't even seal the crime scene. They couldn't didn't have access to the crime scene oh. for 48 hours because they weren't allowed access. Whoa. So it really came down to evidence versus eyewitnesses in this case, because yes. there was evidence. Um, there was evidence that was not collected. There was things that were not processed, like the back door, the back yeah. rear door of yes. entry. But then the eyewitness testimony was so compelling. I can tell you, I've never seen in my 30 years. I've never seen such compelling, gripping testimony really? from two people who saw someone shot mm. within feet of them. Mm. Um, it, it was, there were just chills in the courtroom. Lydia High, who never went to the studio. She said she didn't want to go there. She was professional. She had been in college and she was working in LA in the music industry and she never wanted to go there just because it was kind of like, you know, too much of a laissez-faire uh, yeah. um, atmosphere. She went there for five minutes to a place that she never wanted to go to and she ended up being placed in the middle of this. Oh, wow. wow. That is 
Wow. I mean, after two decades, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the family has some sort of resolution there, but yeah. you know, it's just horrible. I'm Being sure you're so going to have a lot more to come. I know yeah. that you're working on more interviews and. I mean, this yeah. definitely begs a part two. Not just yeah. because of the family dynamic. Um, there were so many things that happened in the trial. This case was atypical from the beginning. Like we said, how the res yep. police response was, how things were not collected properly. But the court case, the trial, you so many characters in yeah. the courtroom, the personalities of the prosecution and the defense attorneys, mm. and even the judge. There was uh, a point on Monday where one of the jurors, basically after five weeks, mm -hmm. five weeks of testimony said, I'm from Queens, I cannot. I am afraid, still, I am afraid to be involved in a conviction. I do not want to go back to my neighborhood and say. And the last quick thing I'll say is, there was one, at one point a witness came in and he never testified. He said, if I, if you guys bring me up to the courtroom, somebody's going to get hurt. I mean, it was so volatile. Power. Turns around the whole thing. So we're definitely going to do Darla, much more on this case. Oh, I can't wait to see more. Tuning I can't in. wait to see more.